Hey everyone, this is Carlos Rivera. Welcome to the Simple Lifestyle Podcast. And today I'm honored to have a friend of mine, just met recently actually, uh, his name is Bonner Watson. He's the host of the Wildly Opinionated Podcast, which we'll discuss in a bit. But Bonner, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, good to, get to, ha- to have you here, man. Um, so let's let's start with a fun little icebreaker, okay? Okay. So I, I listened to one of your episodes about the uh, your, your study abroad mm-hmm. uh, in Brazil, and you mentioned that you went to the Amazon, correct? Yeah, it, the, the trip was a 10-day, we were on a houseboat. Uh, it was, I'm a wildlife major, so we were studying Amazon tropical river biology, and we just spent about eight to nine days going down the Amazon River and studying animals and the water and the fish and stuff there, so wow. super cool. So was it more of a vacation or more of an actual, you know, scientific getaway? Uh, and it was a class. So we definitely, you know, we were waking up at 4 a.m., going out in the canoes, catching fish and studying. Um, We had a lot of work to do. but And we didn't really do touristy stuff except for the last day we were in the jungle. And we went to a couple of villages a couple of times. But it definitely, I guess there were definitely some vacation aspects. Like we swam and we had movie night and stuff like that. Um, But it was more of a class. The thing is, though. I enjoyed it more than any vacation I've ever been on just because of how interesting, how fun it was. And we had a really good group of people that it, it made it really enjoyable. So That sounds awesome. I, I, I've definitely missed my, my boat on going abroad, but on a study abroad, but I hear amazing things. But so, okay, so if you were, st- if you were stranded in, in the jungle, right, okay. if you somehow got yourself in the situation, first things first, what would be the first thing that you would do and who would likely be with you? Uh, let's see. If I got stranded, I'd probably be with a family member because we have something we call Watson luck, uh-huh. where it's like really bad stuff happens to us, but we don't die. <laughs> and so we're just so unlucky. It would have to be somebody I'm related to. There's no way to like, there's no way anyone else would get stranded with me unless maybe my best friend Brady, because he's as close to like a brother as I have. Uh-huh. And he does stupid stuff like that too. But, um, <laughs> first thing I would do probably try to find water. Because yeah, if you find a river, you can try maybe trace it back somewhere. Plus, you have water and food kind of readily available. So that'd be my biggest thing. Yeah. Get my bearings, I guess. Yeah. Definitely in essentials. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard of a, of a live straw? Yeah. I Those have. are really cool. They're super cool. And I know they're doing a bunch of stuff as far as, like, third world countries in Africa. that They don't have readily accessible water mm-hmm. that's, you know, clean to drink. And so... Those life straws are pretty cool for that, too. But then you look at the survival aspect, and it's just like, I can go anywhere, you know? Exactly. I mean, they sell them, you know, at Bass Pro Shops and Academy and Sun and Ski Sports. But their purpose is really, really cool, really interesting concept. Yeah. So, honestly, I really hope they keep expanding. And and for those that don't know, it's a straw that essentially has these really powerful filters. So, you can drink out of any water. So, river, stream, a pond, and it actually filters the water enough to be drinked drink right yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right but it's uh and yeah they're super cool I, I, I we need to be sponsored by them i guess yeah i mean that's we're gonna they, reach out to them next you can pretty much you know in a matter of it i think minutes if not less um you can just have at least a little bit of readily accessible water wh- wherever you are i mean it's a, it's a it's a it's a first step towards a much bigger solution i think oh for sure you know for sure Cause, i mean that accessibility to clean water is a really big problem all over the world. Yeah. So it's a very, very amazing initiative. Well, and even in the U.S., we don't notice it as much because we have water out the wazoo, you know, essentially. But you look at some of the aquifers and, like, groundwater deposits, they're not as full as they have been in the past. And we're not doing, in some ways, not doing a great job of keeping them taken care of. Really? Yeah. I've, I mean, I've it's heard not... in Louisiana, it's been, there's a lot of places that don't get really clean water. Yeah. Well, you know, like those droughts in California, that's mm-hmm. part of it, too. 
So Dang. we can talk about more about that a little bit later. I feel you have a lot to talk about the wildlife stuff. Oh, I'm yeah, curious. For sure, for sure. I'm really curious too. So let's start with that. What is your background in wildlife? How did your interest of this come about? Because you know you're studying it now, and your podcast is a big part of it is about that. So let's yeah, talk about that. Um, so I'm from East Texas, the pine, piney woods, like Pine Curtain area, and my family. Um, they spent before I was born. I have two older sisters, and my parents pretty much spent several years living in a, a really small trailer, saving up money so they could buy land and build a house. And so by the time I was three or four, they had saved up enough to buy that land, and then we built that house. And so my entire childhood was spent living on about 26 acres, plus we had about 20 more that the neighbors let us use. Um, and so I always grew up hunting and, and with animals and living in the middle, like literally in the middle of the woods. And so that became a big part of, of that for me. And I also really enjoyed... Um, like westerns and you know read about horses and stuff like that and then uh big into animal planet and crocodile hunter like steve Irwin, like it sounds cliche and it sounds dumb but he literally i would not be in my field now if he didn't have such an impact on me like the really the enthusiasm he brought to modern conservation and the just common sense and morality that he brought to conserving animals as far as like hey do you really need an alligator or a crocodile skin purse when they're literally going extinct you know there's really common sense stuff like valuing animal and wildlife uh, resources over stupid stuff like you know having shark fin soup and so that became a big thing that really set the tone for me early on that I wanted to help animals and I you know we always had a bunch of dogs and cows and and stuff like that and so it basically, from an early age, I decided I wanted to work with animals and I wanted to help animals. Um, so I thought about vet and I thought about genetic engineering and I thought about this kind of stuff. And as I came into A&M, that actually is why I'm at A&M. I was a big Longhorn fan for the longest time. Um, yeah, no, I know, I know. It's weird thinking about that now that I've been here for four years. Yeah, I was graduating, man. Yeah, well, I think what it was is my middle sister was a big Aggie fan and we always fought a bunch when I was little. And <laughs> I was so it was, I, was, I did the opposite of what she did at all times pretty much and so it's like oh jc's an aggie fan well i'm gonna like the longhorns and that was oh, around the that, time that so it was more like a sibling rivalry than anything for sure and it was also around the time where they were relevant in sports <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they're kind of i don't want to say texas is back because i don't think they are quite yet but they're at least more relevant than they have been lately or in the past couple of years but that was you know 2006 and ish when the rose bowl and stuff like that might, that might have been 05 whatever not the point yeah but um that's kind of what brought me to A&M is I was looking at all the schools in Texas and I was looking to some uh, like Arkansas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, Alabama, you know, kind of all the bigger D1s in the South and Duke. And I realized A&M had the best school in Texas for what I needed, for what I wanted to do. And it's the only place I applied. I sent my test scores to a bunch of places, but I only applied to A&M. Really? Um, and then, you know, I got in and since then, I started as just a zoology major in the biology department, but that, I don't really, I didn't fit in as well in the biology department. They're not as focused on the things I wanted to do, and I, it was kind of pushing me towards med school, and I didn't really want to do med school, so I switched over to wildlife, um, which was, it's very similar in a lot of ways, and I was working towards vet school for a little bit, and then decided I didn't want to do vet school, and then I decided I wanted to work with conservation biology, which uh, I've mentioned this in one of my podcast episodes, but it's a newer field. Um, over the past couple decades as far as wildlife sciences go, where they're focused more on preserving overall biodiversity of ecosystems rather than just saying, like, 
let's save this one animal because it got shot in the foot. Mm. It's more of let's maintain the entire thing, you know, the sunlight, the water, the plants, the dirt, the worms, the birds, everything. Wow. And looking at that, like, what is the best way to make this as functional as possible? And it started to really make sense to me. And I started taking specific wildlife classes and, and getting into that and understanding that a bit more. And it became, you know, my my test scores and stuff just skyrocketed because it wasn't even difficult to study half the time. Like, hard classes, difficult classes. But I was so invested in the material, and it just made sense. And it's... Since then, I mean, I haven't really had to struggle with school a whole lot since then. And I came in freshman year, you know, having some difficulties. But plus freshman weed-out classes and, and just adjusting to college in general. Right. But um, it definitely has made it a lot smoother because I really care and and just get what we're talking about. And that's kind of focused my attention on just creating a sustainable world. And I talk about this a ton in all of my podcasts pretty much, but making it to where humans don't have to give up a bunch of their stuff and change their ways a thousand percent just to coexist with animals. You can you can do it where we can still be a modern technological civilization and not destroy the earth. And like, you know, you don't have to be a, a hippie tree hugger to <laughs> save the trees, you know. You can be a big business guy who loves driving your truck, but keep that stuff, you know, have a respect and protective sense of what you want to be as far as a wildlife steward. So a typical, this is something you you mentioned uh, from your last podcast episode about citizen, citizenship science, was it? Citizen oh, science, yeah. Citizen science, yeah. right? Uh, sustainability, how it's important. And like you mentioned, you know, you can be a person who drives a big truck and everything, but can also be aware of the environment and everything. But to a regular, you know, a regular person, um, what's something that they can do more of or less of to help this? I think the biggest thing is just being... Um, open to realize, realizing that you may not be doing the perfect thing right now. Because think about it, I, this, this straw thing and plastic bags, no one had any idea 10 years ago how big of a deal that was. And I know my mom, we'd go to Walmart and she, she would wait until the last minute to go shopping. So we'd have like two carts full for all of, you know, just tons of bags. And that's like five reusable bags or you know, maybe more. But over the course of a year, that makes a huge difference. And I would never in my life have thought that that could make such a difference. And just, you know, straws and, and bottles and stuff like that. And knowing if I see an animal, like, doing something or if before I vote on whether to build this road or to tear down these trees to make a parking garage, what does that, what are the consequences? It's a chess game. And basically, the way humans have been playing for a while is they look at, you know, where they want their pawn to go, but they're not looking at the thing that could take out their pawn in two moves. They're looking just one move ahead. And in chess, you have to think at least a couple moves ahead. You have to think of every consequence, every possibility. And they're just like, I'm going to move this here because I feel like it. It's convenient and it works for me right now. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that in a way, but we're reaching a point where we know enough about the world and we've affected the world enough that we can't really say that we don't know what we're doing anymore. Or if we don't, then educators need to educate people and, right. you know, PSAs and stuff like that. Because we have such an influential effect on literally everything. We have evolved out of the food chain, essentially. Like, that is, nothing has ever done that before in the history of this planet, to my knowledge, or as far as science knows. 
so we we know enough to be better and we haven't been able whether it's through greed and money or whether it's through just simply not knowing or it being too hard to wrap your mind around changing your habits we haven't done that yet and that's something that i'm working towards in my personal life as well like i'm not saying if you have a straw every once in a while you're going to hell you know? yeah. <laughs> or you're going to murder seven thousand sea turtles but the fact of you know do you really need 10 bags for your groceries or do you need one or do you need to I don't know, do you need to buy the truck that gets seven miles to the gallon and you know, versus one that has 10? That kind of stuff, just making small trade-offs to, if everyone can kind of do that and make a small trade-off and realize the consequences of their actions, it's a ripple effect. And then it, it goes into, it becomes popular almost. Like this straw thing was not a huge deal. Like it's, it's a big deal, but it wasn't as big as everybody made it out to be. Mm-hmm. But then it got on social media and Starbucks talked about it and then people started fighting about it on Twitter and it became massive and everyone's heard about it. And that's kind of every, every thing that has to do with environmentalism and wildlife has some type of aspect that can be blown up like that because it's important. And you look at like pandas. Pandas were endangered. They're like threatened now, which is better. Um, besides cultural relevance to China and the importance they have in the bamboo ecosystem, they're not a super, super, super important species versus say there's some fish out in California where if it goes extinct, literally all of the California West coast ecosystem like dies. And, but because pandas are cute and cuddly and you see them in cartoons, all the money and all the support goes to them. And I'm not saying don't support pandas, but figure out this whole working sense of how we fit into the world and how the world fits around us and find the way that it works for mm-hmm. both parties. Cause if we destroy everything, we're, it, it's going to suck for everybody. You know? I mean, that, that reminds me of zoos, right? I mean, there's pandas at zoos, there's all these animals at zoos, but I mean, I always think about how zoos are actually not a very positive thing, but some people argue against it. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think if a zoo, is run well i don't have a whole lot of problems with it like there's a couple zoos i've seen where the animals are not mistreated but definitely not at their peak i guess they've kind of lost some of that lust for life and some of that glory because they're not very well funded and the professionals there aren't aren't the best and you know not every zoo can be the best Um, not every zoo can be san diego but Another problem I have with it, if you look at like SeaWorld and they've since banned stuff like this, but going out and specifically catching uh, an animal just to put into a zoo for the rest of its life. In the past, we didn't know better necessarily, but now we do. And especially if it's an endangered species or something and you're not going to take care of it that well, it's all about how it's done. That's why I uh, prefer a lot of zoos do this now where they're rescue animals or they do big wildlife reserves where we have thousands of acres that have a ton of animals living as if they were in their natural habitat, but you can go out and look at them and maybe feed them peanuts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Diego has a really good one like that. They have their actual zoo and they have the San Diego um, Safari Park, I think is what it's called. And most of the animals are, are refuge and, and reserve and rescue animals. And they have, like, you have to literally take a little like shuttle bus around one of the exhibits because it's so big and they have all these different types of African species there and it's super cool. So I personally, I see the moral dilemma as far as putting animals in cages, but as long as they're treated well 
uh, and especially if they're animals that would have difficulty surviving in the wild via injury or, or loss of a parent or whatever. I don't have a problem with that, and I think it should be advocated for because it teaches a lot of people about animals. Like, think about it. If you had never been to a zoo, you might not care as much about certain animals that live half a world away. I, if I had never seen a tiger in person, tigers would not be my favorite animal, and I wouldn't care about preserving them as right. much, hopefully. Or, not hopefully, but maybe. <laughs> so, Have you heard of that one guy, uh, the real-life Tarzan? He's like a social media star. Yeah, I think I have. Uh, I maybe saw like a quick video on Twitter, but I don't know a whole lot about him. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't either. Uh, but what you what you mentioned reminded me of him because he he essentially his big focus, his whole message is to help take care of these animals, the ones that are endangered. Or he literally hugs lions and tigers, and he's cuddling with all these wild creatures in the in middle of this, you know, of of just some random field in in africa like he he does amazing things it's really 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 awesome and i feel like with with what you're doing with your podcast the message you're trying to spread i feel like you're you're in a way doing that but through words and helping people be aware of these things so what do you what what is your your biggest because i mean all all these things that you've talked about they're they're related to some of the discussions you've had in your podcast so what what is your goal with the wildly opinionated podcast I'm glad you asked that, actually, because I've been getting that question a lot lately since I've been putting more effort into the podcast and advertising for it more. Basically, I'm a science-minded guy. I'm, I'm good at science, at least for the level of science that I, I work with right now. But I've always been my best attribute and my number one personality trait and character trait is communication. I'm a, I'm a people person. I like talking. I like interacting. I like understanding. And basically, um, I've always wanted to add a communication aspect to my career. I don't necessarily just want to be a guy who sits in an office or even just has a cool fieldwork job but never gets to interact with other people and send out a message of what we're trying to do. Um, and I wanted to see if I could start off with a podcast or a YouTube channel and see if I could broadcast some of my stuff out there a little bit and see if people are receptive to it. If anything, just bring a little bit more information and knowledge about what's going on. Like, for example, I'm from, like I said, I'm from deep East Texas and it's very conservative and I don't want to get into politics at all. Um, but I did a episode about the border wall in Mexico and, you know, whether my liberal friends or my conservative friends or the people in between, it's a bitter topic. Like it's hotly debated, but no one's actually talking about the facts necessarily. They're just talking about opinion and yelling at each other because you're red and I'm blue or I'm blue and or you're, I'm red and you're blue, whatever it is. And so I wanted to go in, sit down with the professor and say, hey, politics aside, give me the facts of how this will affect wildlife on the border. Pros and cons. If there's pros, give them to me. If there's cons, give them to me. And that's what we mm -hmm. did. And that was received pretty well with a lot of my, a lot of my listeners. And I know it's called Wildly Opinionated. And so I, I, that episode in particular, I kind of <laughs> took opinion out of it because I felt like it was necessary. I wanted it to be heard rather than, I want to give people the tools to form their own opinion versus mm -hmm. I like that. forcing my opinion down their throat. And that's how media is a lot nowadays is you should think like this and not, hey, here's this information, do with it what you will. Um, mm. In plenty of episodes, yeah. I give my opinion, but you don't have to agree with me. You know, um, like my second episode was about trophy hunting. I'm a hunting advocate. I even advocate a little bit for trophy hunting, but not everybody agrees with that. And if they don't, and they have good reason to, that's fine. You know, <laughs> that, I, I don't, that doesn't bug me as long as you're not destroying things. So 
I guess that's my biggest thing is to broadcast, excuse me, broadcast and communicate with other people. Because the hardest part about working with wildlife is not the wildlife itself. It's working with the people that are controlling the wildlife, especially in Texas, where it's 95%, maybe more, private property. Really? If you're going to go manage a land, wow. you have to deal with the landowner first. You know, <clears throat> I had an internship working just around Snook and College Station checking boxes. Uh, we put up big bird boxes, like bird houses, that ducks would nest in. And every two weeks, we'd go out there and see if they had laid any eggs. And you have to go and make sure, okay, I'm over here. This is this farmer's land. i got to check in. Will he give me a gate code? Is he going to be home that day? And if he hadn't consented to us doing that stuff, we would have just, you know, been out of luck. And some people are even more stubborn as far as, like, I don't even want you to be near my property. Like, I will shoot you if you come on here. But yeah. animals don't respect private property laws because they that's not natural. So the biggest thing about conservation in a lot of ways is dealing with the people. Not necessarily the animals. I mean, because it was their home first, yeah. you know, and we yeah. just kind of came and intruded and kind of took over. Unless it's feral hogs, because they came over. Oh, yeah. They're invasive <laughs> and they suck. That's yeah. a different situation. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, something really amazing that you did was getting started, right? You actually started and you actually did something that, you know, this was probably something you thought about because, oh, you're, you're studying this and you're, you're really, you seem very passionate about this stuff. And you took the first step to actually start the podcast, which is a very big thing. Yeah. So, you already kind of took care of like with the, more, the most important steps of the whole process. And I mean, so far everything's been looking good for you. I mean, I feel like you've, you've, I've been listening to your show and from the very beginning, you always have this very, you know, playful and easy to understand, uh, uh, kind of, um, well, easy to understand the way you explain things. And then the vibe is just very playful and, and fun. So, yeah, I want people to, I want it to be as if people are talking to me, you know, um, I'm not here to try and read out of an encyclopedia. And I, one, because I'm not, ha some of my listeners are in academia and they're way smarter than me. And other ones, I don't want to be talking to somebody who has never dealt with wildlife before and make them feel ignorant or dumb or like they can't understand what I'm talking about because I'm not explaining. If I use a word like trophic cascade and I don't explain what that means, what good is that going to do anybody? You know? Right. You mind giving a quick explanation of what Okay, that is? so <laughs> basically what a... Uh, a trophic web is kind of like a food chain. Mm -hmm. And so you have your primary producers, which is your grasses and, and your plants, and then you have your secondary, the things that consume the primary producers, so your insects, and then you have, you keep going up the chain until you get to your, you know, wolves, which are your apex predators. Mm -hmm. And basically, if you change something on a higher level, or really on any level, it can cascade down through the, the web, the trophic web, to, like, if you... If a species of wolf goes extinct, it can affect not just the species of wolf, but the rabbits and the birds and then the insects that the birds eat and then the grass that the insects eat. So it's a, it's a trickle-down ripple effect, I guess, and it's called a trophic cascade. Interesting. Fun fact of the day. Yeah. <laughs> so just making a quick transition, I know we spoke earlier about um, how personal development has been a big part of your life, right? And, I mean, you know, in college... From the first day we're here, it's it's all kinds of uh, you get all kinds of experiences and emotions in college, mm -hmm. right? From the very first test you take, from you know, just the, the thought of switching majors sometimes is scary enough, mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, my first question in this topic would probably be, what have you prioritized? What's been important to you that has helped you grow as a person 
till this point. So that's been a weird roller coaster of figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess just to sum it up quickly, I guess happiness is is the first thing I prioritized. And the thing is, it's not that simple necessarily because I find happiness through a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find happiness through my ambition and success, and which I haven't had. You know, I haven't really proved anything yet. I'm still in college. I haven't done too much. But I know, for example, freshman year, I came in. I went to a really small high school. I was big fish in little pond. And all of a sudden, I'm little fish in big pond. And I bit off way more than I could chew. A lot of hard classes kind of overdid myself on hours and labs. Too much. Like I was working 30 hours a week plus weekends, long distance wow. girlfriend, five or student organizations stuff. I lost 25 pounds by Thanksgiving. Uh, and I was like, I'm losing my sanity just because I'm trying to do too much. And just to fast forward a little bit, um, over, I started, I started dating a girl in 2016 and her dad passed of cancer in April of 2017. And then in May of 2017, I was working on an internship in Mexico and we found out that my two-year-old niece was diagnosed with a tumor the size of a softball in her heart. Oh my goodness. Then there was a nine-month process of her getting chemo, and then in August they found out the chemo wasn't working, so they tried a new type of chemo that had a bunch of neurotoxic effects that pretty much made her severely disabled. She could not speak or eat or really do it. She could pretty much only breathe and, and blink on her own. Uh, and that was August of 18. Sorry, August of 17. Then they actually thought they were gonna, that chemo was working and they could do a bone marrow transplant, and it was. they said... Um, we're going to do one last test and if the cancer's still gone, we're going to do the bone marrow transplant and then we'll work on that. And she should, if that takes, she'll be fine. Uh, and then on December 22nd, we got the news that the cancer had come back and there was nothing else they could do. So Christmas of 2017, we spent in the hospital, New Year's of 2017, we spent in the hospital. She passed on January 4th of 2018. Um, and that's obviously, it, it destroyed me. Um, and then, you know, uh, that, that girl I was dating, we ended up, she still wasn't over her dad, obviously completely understandable. And I was not dealing, this was my first really big traumatic event. And I was having struggles dealing with, um, Sophie's death my niece's name, Sophie Skiles. And, um, basically we started to grow apart and we had been talking about getting married and it just started, we didn't hate each other and we weren't fighting and it wasn't toxic, but just kind of falling out of that and, we ended up breaking up in, in August of 18. And I realized I had been repressing a bunch of my feelings about, about Sophie's death. And I'd pushed a lot of that down, not intentionally. And when the breakup happened, it was kind of a the straw that broke the camel's back. And I became pretty severely situationally depressed all of last semester. Um, like didn't eat for five days at one point and just was pretty much a miserable sad sack. And, um, I kind of had to realize through friends and telling me and, and me figuring things out that stuff happens and it like, it doesn't mean you're getting punished. It doesn't mean the world is awful and it hates you, but sometimes stuff happens mm-hmm. and life isn't always going to give you the fair shake that you want, but I could either go down with the ship or I could start swimming. And so, you know, did counseling. I resolved a bunch of stuff with that ex and, you know, I don't know. I don't assume that she's going to listen to this episode, but I, you know, she's a great person. I, I feel like we, there's nothing wrong with that. It just didn't work out. Um, and that's okay. You know, I, I, I hate it when people break up with people and then just like to talk 
talk just, mess and hate each other. Yeah. Stuff doesn't work out. She's still a very important person to me. She, I, she needed me when her dad died. She probably couldn't have got through that on her own. I couldn't have got through Sophie's death without her. That's We were putting each other's lives for a reason, and if that didn't need to continue, it didn't need to continue. And, you know, same thing with Sophie. Um, through all the pain that went through the nine months of cancer treatment and the, the death and the grief afterwards, I the time I had with her healthy and even the time that I had with her alive, I would do it all over again thousands of times just just for that. It'd be worth it. You know, obviously I, I thought she would have more than two and a half years of life where I could I could be her uncle. And I'm, I'm still her uncle, you know, but where I could be actively interacting with her. Sometimes you don't get that. And basically what I had to figure out is, do I like who I am? And I decided, yes, I do like who I am. And do I want to act like the person I am through this depression and through this these life trials? And I said, yes. And I said, are you going to let this sink you or are you going to start to swim? And so I started swimming, you know, counseling and working with some really good friends and starting to get my fitness back in order and starting to eat again and deciding, hey, I'm done with just sitting around and moaning and not going to class and saying, oh, I'm going to be successful one day, but not knowing how I'm going to do it or not doing anything about it. And so that's why I started really looking for good jobs, started doing this podcast, started reaching out to friends I had neglected because I just didn't feel like leaving my room, making new friends and resolving things with, uh, you know, old rivalries and with this breakup and with some stuff, you know, when such a traumatic event happens at family regarding sickness, sometimes some, some beef comes up there. It's like, well, why didn't you come to the hospital this day when you could have come and stuff like that and resolving those and realizing that some things just don't matter and some things do and prioritizing the path that you have set for your life and knowing that it's a good path and being confident that that has been, that you should follow it and that it's pure and that it will lead to your fulfillment and the fulfillment and happiness of those around you. Figuring out what that is, which is a hard thing to do and then seeking it and not necessarily knowing you're going in the right direction, but knowing that you're doing your best. And so that's kind of what it is. My mom always said, still does, um, literally every time I talk to her, but (laughs) She says, bend or, bend or you will break. And I'm a very perfectionist-minded person, and I, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I put a lot of ambition in my dreams. And um, basically, I was like, okay, I got to bend because I'm about to break. And that's how it was freshman year when I was losing all that weight and, and you know, almost failing a class, which I'd never done. I was a straight-A student in high school. I was like, okay, like if you don't <laughs> calm down, you're not going to succeed. And it's not always that easy. Life is going to throw people curveballs. It threw me plenty, and they did all in one year. But the second it became January 1st of 2019, I decided it's time to get my stuff together. And I had been you know, working on it. I had been better since then. Um, mm-hmm. December was a really healing month. But it was a decision to focus on what's important to me, which is my friends and family, and then my mental health and happiness. And then my, then I guess physical health as well. And that really just became a domino effect. And I haven't felt this much like myself since before Sophie got sick. And yeah, I'm not saying that's because, oh, I'm single now and I got that girl in my life. I'm not saying it's because, you know, it's been a year removed since Sophie died. None of that's true. They're all, you know, good people and and things happen and and I'll never truly have enough time to be over Sophie dying. It's not like it's just been the band-aids off now. It's just... One time does heal all wounds, but it was a change of mindset to, am I going to sit around 
and moan and complain. And if you're moaning and complaining right now, that doesn't mean you're, you're failing or that you suck or whatever, because it happens. Like sometimes you need to feel sorry for yourself, mm-hmm. but you can't feed into that and let it become your identity. And I decided that a long time ago, I made my identity through friends and family and religion and ambition and determination. And I, I know who I want to be and I know who I am. And actively pursuing that and being that has been the biggest thing for me. And that's why college, honestly, has been the biggest personal development stage of my life. And I know that's pretty common in general, but I kind of just coasted through junior high and and elementary and high school, living a very comfortable life in my small East Texas town with all my friends who I'd lived with for 18 years and the same family who never got sick and never had problems. And then going through college with, with all of this stuff, it's almost like... I hope no one ever has to deal with anything terrible, but you don't really know who you are until you've witnessed sickness and death or until you've had your heart broken. And if you can be who you are after that, or if you become a different person after that, that's the purest form of who you are. So I guess that's my spiel. Wow, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. I, uh, my condolences and wow, that was it's just one of those things, you know, it's, 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 life does throw you curveballs. Sometimes you really don't know what's going to come. Um, sometimes at the most random times, sometimes at the worst times. But like you mentioned, it's all about staying true to yourself and being able to love yourself and just love those around you for as long as you can and just live the best life you can. Be the best person you can be. And that's, that's really what it's about, man. You really, you really, you really, I felt very touched. Uh, your message was honestly amazing. I, I also recently went through, through a loss in the family. So I do, you know, um, of course I have no idea how anyone ever feels when they lose someone, but well, real you know. quick to add on to that. That's something that I get a lot is I've also, I've also experienced something, but I don't want to compare it to you because you know, I don't want to say that mine's more important than yours. And that's something that my ex and I, we never really wanted to compare her 56-year-old dad versus my two-year-old niece because they're not the same. And the same I don't have the same emotions as my sister who lost her daughter. I cannot compare. So I was giving a speech one time, and I pretty much just said everybody has a Sophie. Even if the worst thing that's ever happened to them is they chipped their, t- their fingernail, if that's the worst thing that happened to them, that's their Sophie. If they had a bad hair day, if they had a bad day at work. So it's about... Realizing that everyone has something going on and cutting my little slack and forgiveness. And then also, I just got tired of, of not treating people right because I was hurt and just expecting them to cater to me being hurt and expecting them to reach out and be like, hey, man, do you want to hang out? And me saying, no, I don't want to do anything. And then expecting them to keep doing that every day. And some friends did, but I was taking advantage of them. And I got tired of waking up every day and having a bad day and thinking, I'll be better tomorrow. And not necessarily will I feel better tomorrow, but will I act better tomorrow? I got tired of that. And I got tired of not having happy days. And, you know, you can't just come right out. I can't, I couldn't have left the funeral and been like, okay, I'm good now. But at some point you have to realize that you can either sink or swim, like I said. And it doesn't honor the memory of my niece to moan and and, and just, I can mourn her. I will mourn her to the day that I die. But the way that I mourn her is important and more of a respect and I'm driven now to be better in her memory 
versus just letting it collapse me. We called her Sophie the Brave and Spartan Soph because um, she actually was not supposed to be born. She had a huge blood clot and, and stuff like that, that my sister was on bed rest for six weeks and then she was born. Wow. And, uh, and then even that cancer was rare and aggressive and she fought it harder than most adults could have. And so, you know, Sophie the Brave, she's a Spartan. So how am I going to honor her memory if I'm just going to moan and, and give up? You know, that's not very Spartan of me. So you got that Spartan lifestyle now, that Spartan mindset. And I'm not the biggest, toughest, craziest guy, but I'm going to act like it. You know? Yeah. For Spartan Sophie. Yeah. Man, no, I, I really appreciate you showing that. And it really, I think people need to just understand the importance of prioritizing what's important, right? What, we, we, what we've, we've discussed. And it's just a matter of living life, you know? Yeah. Life, life like we mentioned earlier, is going to, throw curveballs, it's going to do, it's going to go in all directions. It's a roller coaster of emotions, right? But one day at a time, we can do the best we can to live our best life and love who we, who we can, who's around us, right? For so, sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, man, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, just to wrap this up, let's talk about um, the way that some of your habits have influenced the way uh, you've grown as in, in personal development. So what's the one habit that you would tell someone that they should start practicing right now? Get up earlier. Get up earlier and don't set multiple alarms. That's the, been the biggest thing for me. I went to sleep at 4 last night, but I got up at 8. And am I was I tired for a little bit? Yeah, but did I get a bunch of stuff done today? Yeah. If I slept until noon, would I get anything done? No. No. <laughs> um, it's just amazing how I can, it's like, even if you sleep eight hours a night, it, de it depends on which eight, eight hours you're getting. Uh, because if I sleep from, you know, midnight to eight versus if I sleep from four to noon, that four to noon, I wake up, I'm still groggy, stuff is, you know, I maybe get one homework assignment done, may get to the gym at like 9 p.m. and have a crappy workout and, you know, hang out with my roommates for a little bit, but they're, they've already been doing their thing and so they're kind of done for the day unless we're doing late night stuff and, I get up at 8, get a couple homework assignments done, I make food, make breakfast, watch some TV, walk my dog. I can be at the gym at noon. Every it's There's a, oh, what's the video? I think it's the video is called The Cure for Laziness, and it's got, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and some a bunch of other people. That's the man. That, I think Schwarzenegger, <laughs> too. And they're, they're saying roughly the same thing. And he gets up, like, 4 a.m. every day to work out. He works out, like, three times before I'm even awake, but... Um, respect yeah oh he's ridiculous gosh. but there's a reason he's as successful as he, as he is but I think one thing is um, if you set a goal do it don't just like I make a list of goals and I also usually do a timeline in which I should get them done and that can vary and some goals aren't attainable right off the bat but it, set a goal and then wake up early and do it I, I, I just do daily goals like today I need to go to the gym I need to take a quiz I needed to record this podcast with you and I need to hang out with my friends. I'm, I'm going to do all of those things today. And or I need to cook my turkey meat. Oh. <laughs> so Can't forget that. Yeah, I can't forget that. Because it's about to go <laughs> you bad. you thaw it? Is it thawing right now? No, it's, uh, I just never froze it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So That works too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, that's, that would be my biggest thing is set goals maybe daily and wake up. You don't have to wake up at 6, you know, 6 a.m. If 10 is early for you, that's early. Still plenty of time. Go out and, and, and do that. And it 
gives you little, if stuff doesn't work out, if you can have a little bit of leeway if it was because you actually ran out of time or you prioritized. If I canceled my, my workout to go hang out with a friend I haven't seen in a while, that's fine. Versus if I didn't work out because I was just uh, being lazy because I woke up too late and was groggy and, <laughs> and not prioritizing and managing my time. That's different. Um, I don't know. The, I guess the biggest thing is I learned a lot as far as I thought I'd have a bunch of years with Sophie to do more things. And there's someone who could be thinking that about me if I were to pass today. Or I would be thinking of, about that uh, for me. You know, I thought I had so much more time to do these many things, but I'm not guaranteed that. Yeah, I could drop dead right here. And there's a bunch of stuff I wouldn't have accomplished, but there's definitely a bunch I have accomplished because I've been having this mindset of, of get it done. You're not guaranteed the next day. And that's cliche, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. Man, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. So, Bonner, just uh, to wrap things up, um, any last uh, last message you want to share with everyone? Uh, I'm, I'm good. Listen to the Wildly Opinionated podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um, This is your time for, for a little plug. So, where can people find you? How oh, can they yeah. reach out? Uh, my personal Instagram and Twitter is at TheBonnerLade. That is B-O-N-N-E-R-L-A-D-E. Those are my first and middle names somehow. Um, <laughs> I don't know why my parents picked those, but they did. Uh, the podcast Instagram and Twitter is at Wildly underscore podcast. You can also find us at Facebook if you just search The Wildly Opinionated Podcast. And we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, or well, Apple Podcast, Google Play, and Spotify. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for sharing your story. And, well, hope people also go check out the podcast. I'm, I'm a fan too, guys. I, I, I highly recommend it. It's really, really cool. I've learned a lot. Some fun facts about octop- octopuses. Octopuses, yeah. Not, not octopi. octopi. <laughs> Here and there. I still call them octopi. But yeah, it's like cacti, cacti. Yeah, just same thing. But. Whatever. All right, man. Thank you so much for your time today. And, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Um, this was an interview with Bonner Watson. And uh, if you guys have any questions, again, reach out to him. Also put my contact information if you guys have any questions about the show. And all right, I'll see you guys next week. Bye.